where adventure awaits during Jeep Adventure Days going on now at Bettenhausen Jeep on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Bettenhausen has hundreds of new Jeeps to choose from with great 0% and special leasing offers. Your best Jeep buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Here we go on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. Well, we're five games <laughs> into this Blackhawks season. This, is, this isn't this is what we signed up for, Brian. Get me rewrite. Uh, <laughs> can we have a do-over? Can uh, help? You know, uh, memory was jogged when I saw that this is the worst start for Blackhawks team since 1997 because I covered that 97-98 team and along with many other teams in that, uh, I believe, dark age era. Of the uh, of the Blackhawks, the only difference was there was like eighteen thousand fewer fans taking in the. This is true. This yeah. is true. So how bad is this start? Well, as you mentioned, uh, one of the roughest starts in in the last twenty years. Haven't had a lead in five games. The three. 300- think about that. Yeah, just yeah. take that one in. <laughs> Especially in a league where I think if you score first, you you tend to win seventy percent of the time. Yes. Yes. So uh, three hundred plus minutes where they haven't had a lead. That is the longest they've gone. In a season without a lead in in franchise history, they've been outscored twenty one to nine. They have uh, three, count them three, even strength goals. Yeah, other None teams the, seventeen. Yeah, none have come in the first two periods. Th- those first three games, they were playing from behind, like within seconds into the contest. Right, 15, we had seven, 17, 17 15. and fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't even you haven't even settled into the couch. Uh, before the the light, the lamp was lit by the opposition, it's so so that you know they did come out on Tuesday and play a couple of solid first two periods, but again, yes. then and, and good defensively, they they yeah. improved. Not as many scoring chances, not as many high danger, less than five like that. Mm-hmm. That is uh, an appreciable improvement defensively. So, look, last year they started. Losing their first four games. Again, it was a different season. It was a COVID division. Then they went on to win six of their next 10 and nine of their next 14. And guess who that win streak started against, Brian? Mr. Motley Crue, man. Uh, with Lincoln and that, it yeah. started, yeah. But against what team did they, they get their first victory against? The was D- it Detroit? Detroit. And who do, they play? who do they play tomorrow night? Detroit. See where I'm going here? Yeah, I like your optimism. Um, you should <laughs> I'm, be able to I'm beat really the Red Wings no matter, right? I'm reaching. Well, you know what? Detroit's playing better than you uh, than you would expect. They're actually uh, they they're coming off a loss. They they actually play tonight, so we're going to get them on the back end of a back to back. But uh, but you, your your point is, you know, last year too, where what was the expectations going into that season? It was. Not the same expectations of this season. There last, you go. Last season, it wasn't about the playoffs. No. It was about finding building blocks, deciding if it's 
he's an NHL player or he needs more seasoning in the AHL or he's not a part of the Blackhawks blueprint going forward. That's what last year was. Mm -hmm. This year, especially after this offseason, this was about adding a number one defenseman in Seth Jones. Adding the Vesna Trophy winning netminder Marc-Andre Fleury on a one-year deal. Adding a third-line center in Tyler Johnson, term on his contract from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Adding a top-four defenseman in Jake McCabe. Everything they did suggested that they were accelerating. They were moving up the quote-unquote game plan or the rebuild or the retool or whatever you want to call it. I get so bogged down by the is it a rebuild is it a retool how about this it's a getting better off season it's trying to win games trying to get back to the playoffs this is what okay i, I gotta play this this is emily kaplan the other day she was on the point which is on espn espn 2 it's on espn plus it's all over the place it doesn't have a a set uh, spot on your your tv schedule but uh, John Butchergrass hosts it. It's an hour long. Emily is is like your Schefter of the NHL. She's based here in Chicago. And if you followed the Blackhawks this offseason, you notice that Emily Kaplan broke a majority of the Blackhawks' major stories. So she is tapped in to 1901 West Madison. Very reliable sources. She was asked by Butchie, whether or not changes were on the way after the rough start the Blackhawks have had. You know, it's interesting, Bucci, because I've talked to a lot of people around the Blackhawks organization, and they feel like there's this disconnect, that there's this narrative that the Blackhawks are in win-now mode because of some of the moves they made over the summer, including Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury. But it was just a year ago that they announced their rebuild, and they feel like they haven't deviated from the plan. Obviously, they're not happy with the start that they've had, but the sense I get and the people I talk to, there aren't even closed meetings at this point about Jeremy Colleton losing his job. They're not panicking here. Now, if it gets to 20 games and they're still seeing the same results, maybe we'll see a change. But it's not a situation where if they lose two of the next three, that Jeremy Colleton would be on the way out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let's break this thing down here, Brian. First of all, she said there's a disconnect. There's a narrative that we are in win-now mode because of the moves we made in the offseason. Uh, yeah. Well, 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 first of all, what's win now mode? To me, that's making the playoffs or winning a round in the playoffs. It's not winning a Stanley Cup. Is right. That- it's, it's not a COVID-created playoff spot either. It's, right, it's right. It's being a legit team that earned a way into the postseason. Here's the thing. When I think Stan Bowman last addressed the general situation, uh, was on the opening road trip, right? And he said they're trying to both win games and develop players. Um, that's not a rebuild. They're, they're trying the, the moves they made in the off season, Mark Andre Fleury wasn't talked out of the, the, you know, the dismissing the idea of retirement to come here to be on a rebuild team that wasn't going to be in the postseason, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting now that Jeremy Carlton has opened the door to uh, a timeshare and in, in net increase with Kevin Lincoln in, and Kevin Lincoln. in again, last year of his contract would be interesting to see how this plays out, but in very short order, you now have the veteran Vesna winning goalie um, 
you know, not looking so good anyway, but with the team in front of them looking awful, by the way, no matter who's in that. So I'm, my expectations were that the front office had accelerated the rebuild and made those moves in July in particular to become a playoff team this year. Maybe not win a Stanley Cup, maybe they, not go for, uh, go very far in the playoffs. They but to said legitimately as much, take Brian. A step. Yeah, they said as they much. Did. We all asked the question with the moves you made. You get Seth Jones. He comes here. You give him an eight-year, $9.5 million a year contract. I mean, you brought in Marc-Andre Fleury on a one-year deal. Right. You brought in 31-year-old Tyler Johnson, 28-year-old Jake McCabe. These are all veterans, and other than Fleury, they all have term on their contract, or you gave them new paper. You said you were going to make the playoffs, or that was the goal. And not just make the playoffs, make a difference in the playoffs, be a legit team. I mean, to hear that spin, I I just, I was shocked. I, I was really, really shocked to hear that. You and a lot of Blackhawk fans. Um, and look, it's early, but it's not. Because the 0-4-1 is one thing. And, and by the way, that 97-98 team, you know, finally won their first game in the eighth uh, game. But that was, the one thing that that team did was play some defense and, and did not give gift goals, but they couldn't score to save their lives. But they were a very streaky team. Now, if I asked you today and asked Hawks fans, 312-332-3776, do you believe this team is capable or do you have faith that they could put together a five-game win streak or even unbeaten streak to match their 0-4-1? I'm not so sure the way, from what I've been seeing, that, that that's a legitimate expectation right now. That's how how you know how many things that have gone wrong and look like they're not quick fixes. It's not just a goaltending. It's not just defense. I mean, it's everything. It's five on five, like we talked about. You're actually getting some special teams play. Um, but there, I mean, it's not just one or two things here, and you fix that, and you're off, and and you're you know you're off, and you put six or seven together, and well, everyone forgets about this rough start. This this has. A different feel to it. What would you do to turn around this season? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's go to Rick in California. And Rick, before we uh, we get to your point, I-, I need to say this: you were our first caller of the season here on the hockey show. They made a promo out of it, mm-hmm. and yeah. it uh, let's just say it it hasn't fared well or lasted very long because you no. you like us bought into what happened in the offseason and were very optimistic. I think the word you use is exciting. Exciting. Exciting, I think, is the word you used. And so every time I hear it, I'm like, ooh, I cringe a little bit. One man's excitement is another man's... So so here we go, Rick. Here's your second chance to get a a promo here at ESPN 1000 in the hockey show. What is is your uh, comment this morning? Well, gentlemen, let me just say, let me let me drop it straight. Hey, um, you are the reason why um, we should all be excited uh, for this incredible show that we have to look forward to every Saturday morning. I missed it last week, and my week was not the same. While I did go to the ESPN app, the ESPN 1000 app, and listen to the show later, it just wasn't the same. So here I am, a loyal listener, back up and early out here in California, listening to the show live. So, Appreciate that, Rick. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's been... Um, it's been a disappointing season all around. I just, you know, when the Blackhawks have invested and spent as much money as what they have to, um, 
try to put together a team that's exciting on the ice, especially not having fans last year, and then to jump out and have the kind of start. This is not the start that anybody wants to have. I'm not sure how uh, Jeremy Colleton can I, – I, I see Ted Lasso show more, and I know that's a, that's a show, but I'm ready for Ted Lasso as far as the coach. You know, it seems, it seems like we see a little bit of Jeremy Colleton in him, but at the same time – How about Led Tesla? How about the other guy? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, the other thing, too, that concerns me is this whole dump and, dump and uh, chase after the puck thing is not working. Um, and I don't know if the, the Hawks have the guys to do that, but my questions for you are, I guess, what you're kind of already discussing is, at what point does Colleton adjust, or, what time does Coll- or at what point does Colleton pack up his stuff and get out? Because it's not working, and it's frustrating as a fan to sit here and to see um, – you know, so much invested into the team and also myself investing hard money into, you know, uh, uh, clothing and stuff like that. But um, I'm curious, are, are um, the GM, I'm having my, are Bowman and uh, Colleton tied together? Is that the thing where Bowman doesn't want to go because that's him admitting he was wrong? Um, what are your thoughts on that? So All right, well, I'll thank hang you. Up and li- Thank you, Rick, yeah. for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, you always join us from uh, from California. Um, let's start with it. I mean, Bowman has more equity, obviously, with the Blackhawks than Jeremy Colleton does. Um, Stan is a part of three Stanley Cups. You can argue about some moves here and there. Um, I mean, he's just got a new title. Yeah, he got a new title. That was that was to make the structure of the organization the same on the business ops side and the hockey ops side. It's really... It's really not a, a, a change in his job duties. He is the top voice in hockey ops, and Jamie Faulkner is the top voice on the business side, and they wanted to make both of their titles the same. So in mm-hmm. essence, that's why they did that. Um, so he has more equity. You can certainly look over the past... 13 years and question some moves, question some draft picks, question some trades. Of course you can. He handpicked Jeremy Carlton. He brought Jeremy over from Europe to run the Rockford Icehawks. He liked what he saw in Rockford. Jeremy took them to a, a Calder Cup final. I went to Rockford. I was impressed with what I saw from Jeremy Carlton. I thought he was... This forward-thinking, uh, you know, communicative type of coach that that would play well in the National Hockey League. I remember, I remember going there and saying, "This guy's not long for the AHL." He steps into some of the hardest shoes to fill in the National Hockey League. The second winningest coach in National Hockey League history, a guy who's won three Stanley Cups, as beloved, is on the Mount Rushmore here in Chicago. So let's just start. That was not easy to step into. He stepped into a veteran-laden locker room where some of the guys are were older than him. It wasn't a total buy-in from the start. It hasn't been a perfect launching point. It usually isn't when you make coaching changes. So, But you have to look at now we're into season four. Again, he hasn't had a full season yet because of everything that's gone on. First year, he he comes in in November for, for Q. Next year, it stopped because of COVID. Last year, COVID shortened. And now we've got this year. But the bottom line is, he's been working and orchestrated, uh, working uh, 
with Stan Bowman as far as picking the players to be a part of his system, his plan, the franchise's plan. And that's what we have to look at. And so far through five games, the power play has been fantastic. The penalty kill has been tremendous. Five-on-five scoring has been atrocious. Defense was awful in the first three games. The last two, it was better. There has not been enough push. There has not been enough passion. There has not been enough determination to get to the net, get those tough, dirty goals, as we like to say. There's been a lot of things to question about. And, and I understand the frustration of the fan base. I understand the frustration of the players, the coaches, the people that work for this franchise. Look, we're all working hard, and we all, we've been spoiled for the better part of a decade here. This was a modern-day dynasty. Three cups in six years. Close to winning a fourth in 2014. They were in the Western Conference Finals all the frickin' time. The, you couldn't go anywhere in this town without seeing the Indian head sweater on a t-shirt, a hat, on someone's back. And those people are they got used to it. And they're they're and I and I understand it. This is part of sports and you can't stay on top all the time. But this is getting into territory where it's been frustration since twenty seventeen. And they made a strong commitment and a huge financial commitment to a lot of different players in the offseason. The expectations were raised. And so far, they've underdelivered. So the question is, can they turn it around? I told you last year, 0-4 start. Then they went on to win six of their next 10, nine of their next 14. Is this team capable of that? We will find out. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. He joins us next on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up, clones? Welcome back to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. It's uh, our pleasure to bring in a guy who is on this Blackhawks beat for the Athletic along with Scotty Powers. What year is this for you, Mark Lazarus, covering this team? Uh, this is my 10th season, believe it or not. 10th season. Wow. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a big... So let me ask you this. Uh, after... An off-season of moves, the uh, uber-competitive training camp. Why has this team gotten off to such a rough start? That's a great question, and that's, that's the one we're all trying to answer. Why are they so discombobulated on defense? Why are they so ineffective on offense? Why, where's the energy and the jump they had in camp and in the preseason? We're not really seeing much of it. It's been better the last two games. I mean, there's no denying the Hawks have played pretty well against both the Islanders and the Canucks, but... You know, when you're 0-4-1, you're 0-4-1. There's no sugarcoating that. So 
uh, that's what Jeremy Calder needs to figure out is how to how to get these guys going again and, and, and how to find the game that they're supposed to be playing because it's not all there just yet. Hey, Mark, your boss, John Greenberg, our buddy, uh, tweeted out the other day, uh, which do you trust more, Matt Nagy's quote-unquote offense or Jeremy Colleton's quote-unquote system? Uh, John, having, uh, making light of a couple situations here in the city, but it's a legit question because Matt Nagy was sold to Bears Nation as innovative, young, great offensive mind who can develop quarterbacks, you know, see Mitch Trubisky. And Jeremy Carlton's system was going to be the one that was going to be tough and tough to play against each night. It's been a few years now for both. Matt Nagy's had to, quote, unquote, bench himself uh, from play calling not once but twice. But I guess my question is, uh, Jeremy Carlton's confidence in his system, he keeps talking about how they can generate odd man rushes and, and such that teams are generating against them. Um, is that confidence or stubbornness when you when you see the numbers are the numbers? I mean, they're they're at the bottom of every offensive category, not only this year but even last year. I feel both confidence and stubbornness. I remember a couple of years ago that Nagy and Collison were very similar, um, and they still are. I mean, neither of them has really earned the benefit of the doubt. They haven't accomplished enough to get this long a leash that they're getting. But this is the way it is. And, you know, Colleton, you know, he tweaks the system every year. What they're doing this year is not exactly the same as last year. And exactly, it's not like he is just forcing a, a round peg into a square hole. But the general principles applied are, are, are similar. And whether it's the Blackhawks having trouble executing it, which very well could be. Tampa Bay runs the, off, run, runs the defense, the structure that Jeremy Colleton wants to run. They're very similar systems. Tampa Bay is able to run it. They've got loads of talent, and, they're, and, and it's working for them. The Blackhawks have a lot of talent, too, but it's changing year after year after year. They keep bringing in new faces. Last year with all the kids. This year you bring in all these veterans. And that does take some time. You have to give some leeway for them to adjust to a new system. But the problem is when it's year four, and this has been the talking point now for all four years, it, it, it gets harder and harder to give Colleton the benefit of the doubt and give him that leash that he probably needs to make this work. So if it doesn't turn around soon, you know, the boos are only going to get louder and, 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 and the uh, the pressure is only going to ratchet up higher. Mark Lazarus from The Athletic joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Did you hear Emily Kaplan's report the other day on ESPN? That, uh, that they're rebuilding again? Yeah, <laughs> love, in, in case people missed it, again, here here's what Emily had to say, whether or not uh, there's going to be changes coming to the Blackhawks after this rough start. You know, it's interesting, Bucci, because I've talked to a lot of people around the Blackhawks organization, and they feel like there's this disconnect, that there's this narrative that the Blackhawks are in win-now mode because of some of the moves they made over the summer, including Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury. But it was just a year ago that they announced their rebuild, and they feel like they haven't deviated from the plan. Obviously, they're not happy with the start that they've had, but the sense I get and the people I talk to, there aren't even closed meetings at this point about Jeremy Colleton losing his job. They're not panicking here. Now, if it gets to 20 games and they're still seeing the same results, maybe we'll see a change. But it's not a situation where if they lose two of the next three, that Jeremy Colleton would be on the way out. 20? Oof, jeez. Uh, what did you make of that report? Well, I mean, Emily Kaplan's as good as it gets. I don't yeah. mean, I, I, but I, 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 if the Blackhawks are saying that, I mean, it, it, it feels like spin to me. I mean, you know, I, I've, I, I've talked to people in the organization that say the same thing. I've talked to like that say that Colleton very much is under pressure. The idea that the Blackhawks are suddenly still in a rebuild is laughable to me. And all summer they talked about, you know, yeah, there's still young people that are the centerpiece of this team. You know, Kirby Dock and, you know, uh, uh, Lucas Reichel is going to get his chance. And Henrik Borgstrom, these, these guys are all playing major roles. 
they traded two first-round picks and Adam Volquist and a second-round pick for Seth Jones. They traded for a one year of a 36-year-old goalie. If you're not trying to win now, what are you doing making that Marc-Andre Fleury trade? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. This is a team without a first-round draft pick next year, unless it's first or second overall. That's not a rebuilding team. This feels like them trying to reframe the narrative now that things are going badly. Because, yes, young people are still important. It's about supplementing the, the veterans with, with talent and all that. But this is not a rebuilding team, and this is a win-now team. This team was built to make the playoffs this year. Otherwise, there's absolutely no purpose of having Marc-Andre Fleury here ahead of Kevin Lankin. And it makes no sense to me. I don't buy it. So, Mark, when Stan Bowman said a week or so ago they're trying to both win games, and, and back in the summer, as Pat pointed out, he said we're, we're going to be in the playoffs, or we're doing this to be in a playoff game, but also develop players. Um, you know, the, the, the nebulous, how do you quantify great communication? Jeremy Carlton's a communicator. Um, you know, who's he developed? Uh, if you're not winning games and your system is still generating anemic numbers, can you hang your hat or sell the coach on that he does the other stuff right, communicating and, in particular, developing young players? Well, when you talk to the Blackhawks themselves, you know, on and off the record, they rave about Dalton. Everybody likes playing for him. Even the veteran guys have come, have come aboard. Uh, but but it, it's a fair question. I mean, when was the last time the Blackhawks really developed a defenseman? It was Nicholas Chalmerson because they got rid of Yoki Haru and Bokwis just when they were coming into their own. Now, you can point to Kirby Doc. you know, Jeremy did an excellent job of handling Kirby Doc that first year. Even though he missed all of training camp with a with a, a concussion, he stuck with him. He kept him in the lineup. He eased him in. He started him with low minutes and then in a third-line role, slowly worked his way up the lineup, worked his confidence up to the point where they got to the bubble in Edmonton, and he was great. Now, the broken wrist, you know, stymied that development a lot, and that's not Colleton's fault. He missed almost all of last year. But Kirby Doc is a guy you can point to. Brandon Hagel is a guy you can point to. There are players that are – that are taking steps forward under Jeremy Collins. You can even talk about Alex DeBrinkin, who became an all-around you know, juggernaut last year. He's a great all-around hockey player now, not just a goal scorer. So there are people you can t- point to. But is that enough is the question when, again, you're clearly trying to win now and develop talent at the same time. You can do both, but let's not call it a rebuild. Joining us from the Audubon, it is Mark Lazarus <laughs> from The Athletic. Uh, Mark, Patrick Kane leads this team in points like he usually does. He's got five points in the first five games, goal, four helpers. But he isn't taking over games like we've been accustomed to seeing over the last 14 years. He's talked in the preseason about a nagging, undisclosed injury. I think he really, really wants to play uh, at the Olympics this year, I think he's probably going to be the, the captain of Team USA. How healthy do you think Patrick is right now? Uh, he's, he's not 100%. I think that's safe to say. He wasn't 100% last year when I think he had four goals over the last 33 games. That seems to be when this thing cropped up, and then nobody seems to know what it is because they don't have to disclose it if he's not missing games. If he's missing games, they'll disclose it. But he's playing through something. When you ask him about it, he kind of hems and haws. He's like, all right, I can play. You know, it's, it's not really bothering me that much. And, but clearly there's something I play there. And, yeah, you're right. Without him taking over, like, he's the kind of guy that can single-handedly get them out of this funk they're in, right? He can just take over a game, score a bunch of goals, and make it happen. But he's not doing that. And he, he's, he's, he's floating a little bit too much. But when, when, when he's on, you can see, oh, there he is. That, that, now he's doing it. But he doesn't feel, it doesn't seem like he's at 100% right now. So they need someone like Jonathan Taze to do that, but he's not at 100% right now. So then it becomes Alex Dabrinkit, and Dabrinkit's looked pretty good, 
but he's also he's got a lot of chances, but he's not burying them at the rate that he was last year. So it becomes this kind of snowball effect. Well, if this guy's not doing it and this guy's not doing it, well, who's going to who's going to take over for this team? It's not going to be uh, Henrik Borgstrom. It's not going to be you know Jujar Kara. They're not those players. So it really is incumbent on Kane, and he puts this kind of pressure on himself because he knows he can do it. You know, Kane needs to take over a game or two and get them over the hump. It's just a question of whether he can do that with whatever he's dealing with right now. And if he's not at 100%, you know, what chance do the Blackhawks really have? Is the idea of Marc-Andre Fleury better uh, than the actual having Marc-Andre Fleury? And now, in short order, you're talking about co-share, um, at least Jeremy Carlton led everyone to, to start thinking in terms of equal time and net. Is that going to work out? Is it going to be like, you know, Craig Kimbrell going to the White Sox and, and guys not really knowing or getting used to their to the role they've had their whole career? It's hard for goalies. It's, hard for, it's harder for goalies to make a transfer than it is for skaters. I think that's why you very rarely see goalies traded at the deadline, at the trade deadline, because it's hard to adjust to a new team, a new defenseman, new system, you know, Flurry's got an 840 save percentage. There's no, there's no putting a positive spin on that. But I don't think anyone's really panicking about him. You know, after three or four starts, uh, I don't think it'll be an even mix. I think that you know, Flurry was very emotional after the Pittsburgh game, and you know, he's he's had some you know displays of emotion like that. I think that Colton just wanted to kind of give him a chance to reset, give him a few days. I suspect he'll play against Detroit on Sunday and get a good game there. Then you know, maybe things start moving upward from there. But uh, it's too early to, to really cast any you know, judgment on Flurry as an addition. But it's true. He has not been bailing out his teammates. He's been hung out to dry by his teammates. But the reason you get a Flurry is because he can bail out your team even when they do that, and he's just not doing that yet. Mark, five-on-five scoring has been the most glaring issue so far. Just the three even-strength goals. None of those have come in the first two periods. How about putting Kane and Taves together? Usually I'm not a big fan of that back uh, during the cup run. But at this point, uh, this team needs to find some offense uh, even strength. They need to get some confidence going. They need the leaders to start leading. How about loading up your top two lines? Maybe go Hagel, Taves, Kane, Cat, Doc, and Kubalik, and then just figure it out from there. Look, I love Brandon Hagel. I think he's super fun to watch, and he's a great player. He's not a top six player. If he's on your top line, right. uh, it, it right. feels like reaching to me. But I understand. I'm with you. I usually don't like putting Taves and Kane together. But these are, you know, we always called it the nuclear option for a reason. You did it when things were going really bad, and things are going really bad right now. So, you know, why not try it? I, I, Jonathan Taves is not a better player at this very moment than Kirby Doc is, though. I feel like Doc has more offense in him right now than Taves does. Taves is still ramping up. It's going to take some time, you know, to get into real game shape. He's doing much better than any of us, any of us had any right to expect, but he's just not there yet. So uh, I'm not even sure that's the, that's the number one option, but the chemistry is always there with Taves and Kane. It usually works. It's worth trying. There's no reason not to try it at this point because everything else, it's better than having, you know, care on the second line and, you know, trying these, like, weird, gritty slash talented. Like, load up. Do something to get some goals because that's exactly what they need right now is just to score a few. I mean, when you're getting outscored 17-3, to three, five on five, I mean, you got to try just about anything at that point. Mark, uh, hopefully there's a uh, five-game win streak right around the corner to go with the uh, winless streak at this point. I, if I'm sitting here betting today, I'm not so sure that it's, this team's capable of that, but it's a long season, so hopefully, uh, you know, Jeremy Carlton said you get one and build from there. We'll have to wait and see. So, Mark, last year they lost their first four games of the season, then they went on to win 6 of 10 and 9 of 14, and that win streak started against Detroit. I know it was the COVID division and things were much different. So, can this team 
can this team rebound like like last year's team did and get back in the playoff discussion here by stacking some wins and some points? Absolutely. Of course. This is hockey, man. Come on. What are we talking about here? This is the most fluky, random sport. And if you had this, and Collison's kind of said this, if you had this stretch in the middle of the season, you'd be kind of angry, but you wouldn't really be that worried about it. It's when it happens right away that it just feels like the, it's a five-alarm fire. So, yeah, if they, if they beat Detroit, the schedule doesn't get any easier. you got, what, Carolina, St. Louis. I mean, there's some good teams coming up again. So it doesn't get any easier, but they just need to get something good to happen. And they need some positive momentum. And then you can build from that. And absolutely, there are 77 games left in the season. There are a lot of points still on the table. That's, what, 154 points still available to you. Everyone always likes to point to the Blues a few years ago when they were dead last in the league in December and then figured it out, got a new coach, figured it out, and went on a run and won the Stanley Oops. Cup. Yeah, the new coach part is, is, is part of it. But, um, absolutely, the Blackhawks and Jeremy Carlton, yes, they can turn this around. They just better do it quickly because it is really tough to make up ground in the NHL with the loser point out there. Mark Lazarus does great work with The Athletic. Thanks for joining us, Mark, and I'll see you over at Fifth Third in a, in a little while. If I get out of this Dan Ryan traffic, yes. All right. Help. That's Mark Lazarus joining us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. All right, what do the Hawks need to do to turn this season around? Your calls, 312-332-3776. It's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Light it up, Blackhawks fans. 312-332-3776. Full phone bank. You guys have some thoughts on how this team can turn this season around. Let's go to them right now. Let's check in with Brad, uh, who's in his car right now. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Pat and Brian. Great show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Long time, long time forever Hawks fan. Uh, Bowman is the problem. I disagree strongly with Pat's comment that his opinion that Bowman was the architect of three cups. Dale Talon was the architect of three cups. In 12 years or whatever of, of Bowman being a GM, I can only think of, I think he signed Hosa. I think he rented Brad Richards and Antoine Vermette. And he drafted the Brinkat, Doc, and uh, Panarin, who he, who he gave away. Uh, this guy's atrocious. Uh, the Penguins in the last decade, we're close to our success with Crosby and Malcolm and pay concerns. I don't believe they've missed a playoff, and they've always been competitive. I've got just one other thought. You guys run a great show. I believe, I don't want Tortorella, Crawford. I like Colleton. I don't think he's long for the job. I don't, I don't want Tortorella, Crawford, Julianne, or Bruce Boudreau. What do you think of Eddie Olchek as GM and or coach? Thanks, wow. guys. All right, Brad, you want to tackle that one, Brian? Um, I'm not, I'm, you know, Edzo is a competitor. He would be up for a challenge. I'm not sure at this point in his life. Uh, he's such a, a, an outstanding analyst and broadcaster that he needs the grief, honestly. Um, if Jeremy Carlton isn't long for this world and 
whether it's Emily's 20 games or 15, whatever it may be. I mean, here's hoping they get it, start solving it tomorrow and, and they turn the corner. But if Colleton isn't long for this world, I think it's just common sense. Mark Crawford's going to be the interim and they'll, they'll keep, you know, they'll elevate the head coach on staff and see where it goes from there. That'd be my guess. The comment uh, that he made regarding Stan Bowman. Look, you know, I, I first of all did not use the word architect. I said he was, uh, he was a general manager for three Stanley Cups. That that was his title at the time they won those cups. So, yes, the cornerstones were not drafted by him. They were drafted by Dale Talon and Smith ahead of Dale. And but you have to give Stan some credit in the salary cap era for having to rebuild the 2010 team into the 2013 and the 14 that was a goal away from going to the Stanley Cup final and the 2015 championship. You got to give him some credit for those cup victories, regardless of, now again, the key components, the cornerstones, no, they were not drafted by him. But the supplementary pieces, the goalie decisions, Jalmerson over uh, Niemi, th- those decisions were made by Stan Bowman. So, again, he's got a long track record that you can look and say, that worked, that didn't, that worked, 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 didn't, didn't, didn't. I get that. But you do have to give him credit. He was he was behind the wheel for three cups. And, and I will say this. I don't think Stan Bowman's in trouble. So, if if they if they ever got to that point, I think Eddie Olchek would be terrific as as a guy putting together a team and and going from there. I don't think he wants to coach anymore, but you know I think Jeremy Colleton's feeling the pressure right now. I don't think Stan Bowman's feeling any pressure, so I think it's a moot point. But if it ever got to Stan Seat being uh, warm too, I think Eddie would be a terrific choice. Um, but you know I don't think I think we're a long ways from that. Nobody loves the game of hockey more than Eddie Olchek. I do believe he would like to have another bite at the apple because of what went down in Pittsburgh and how things uh, went on his resume there. And some of that was because of the financial problems that that team had. And and there was a guy that they kept in the minors by the name of Marc-Andre Fleury, and Eddie wasn't able to use him because of the financial constraints Pittsburgh had. So. I do think at some point he would like to get back into hockey ops. I don't know necessarily if it would be in behind the bench. I think it would be more in a GM, president of hockey ops type of role. Uh, whether that ever happens here in Chicago, you know, only the Wurzes can make that that call. Let's go back to the phone lines. Let's check in with Kurt in Naperville. Good morning, Kurt. Morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I was really happy when they got Flurry, mainly because of his past record. He's a good goalie. But, I mean, this year he just looks old and slow. He's getting beat high on the glove hand consistently, and it just seems like he can't, you know, he can't get it up there. Um, I think they mishandled the goalie situation last year. I would have been more than happy going into this season with some combination of Lankanen, Subban and Delia. Well, how, how, did they, they how, did they, how did they mishandle it last year? Well, because, you know, they had Delia sitting in the minors the whole year, and then they bring him up the last couple weeks of the season, 
and start playing him. I think they should have had him in the rotation, you know, some point during the course of last year. Well, Lankin and went, what? Lankin, when they went on their run and they won nine of 14, Lankin had taken over the crease. And right. Subban, in their eyes, had beat out Delia. You don't want Delia sitting in a press box the majority of the time. You want him getting reps in Rockford. So, you know, with three goalies, I, you know, they, they made the call who the top two were. You got to put the other one in Rockford to, to get some reps. I, you don't want him sitting in a suit. Well, but they still had the opportunity to call him up during the course of the year. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, if they weren't if they weren't satisfied. Yeah. No. Look, there's no question. Thanks for the call that uh, Mark Andre Fleury hasn't gotten off to you know a Vesna Trophy start here in Chicago. Now, part of that is the play in front of him. Those first three games. Look, the the Pittsburgh homecoming. I felt bad for him. Like he deserved a better fate than that. Was he on top of his game that night? No, no. But neither were the players in front of him. And to have to get pulled in a city where you won three Stanley Cups, that had to be hard to swallow. I will say this. He was a Vesna Trophy goalie behind the Vegas Golden Knights defense last Amen. year. Amen. And that that team was very stingy defensively, blocked a ton of shots, this is a whole different game that Marc-Andre Fleury is experiencing here in Chicago, Brian. Well, and that's when, you know, hopefully this doesn't continue. But if it continues on, I mean, his initial reaction was, maybe I'll retire instead of coming to the Blackhawks. And anytime you have, hear a guy even entertaining that, you have to wonder where his mindset at. Now, it seemed like once he talked to guys on the team and he was enthused about doing it, but if this keeps going south and his game isn't up to what he expects it to be and the team in front of him is not, as Mark Lazarus said, leaving him to hang out to dry, you know, at that point, does Stan Bowman have to start making some calls and see if anyone's interested? Or does maybe Mark andre Fleury go to Stan Bowman and say, you know what, the initial thought of retirement is probably the thing I'm thinking about now. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but we're two weeks into this thing and all of a sudden you're talking about splitting time and Kevin Lincoln has got one more year on his contract and he's saying all the right things he's going to be a goaltender a starting goaltender for someone next year yeah uh, I think I think Lincoln has been I think he's been good this year yeah. uh, I I think at the end of the day I want to know is he a true 1a or is is he just a really good backup and I think that's the decision they're that's trying to, to make it's it's hard to find out now when you're going to be splitting time like this yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah true uh, but I think there, there's going to be plenty. I mean, there's going to be 40 games for him to play, 36. I mean, that's that's a pretty big sample size. That's certainly more than he had last year. You bring up a great point. If the Blackhawks are not in a playoff run before the trade deadline, there is absolutely no question that a team would be interested in adding Marc-Andre Fleury to their goaltending duo or trio to make a Stanley Cup run. All right, back to your phone calls on the other side. This is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. This hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. College football returns to Wrigley Field this fall for the first time since 2010. Join Northwestern Football when they host Purdue in the Wildcats Classic. That's on November 20th. Tickets on sale right now at Cubs.com slash football. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. 
Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Final moments here on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Coming up next, it's Chicago's College Tailgate with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. They'll be coming to you from Pelican Harry's in Homer Glen. So if you're in the neighborhood there in Homer Glen, stop by Pelican Harry's. Check out the boys, Black and Abdallah. Chicago's College Tailgate coming your way in just a matter of moments. Um, so here we are. We're five games in. Detroit Red Wings, the hated Detroit Red Wings, are in town tomorrow. Six o'clock, drop at the United Center. It's uh, it's an opportunity to, uh, I-, I think they have to right this ship. I think tomorrow night is an absolute critical game for many fronts. For the confidence level, for the team, the fan base, you name it. A win against Detroit, your biggest rival would go a long way in, in helping you feel a little bit better about yourself. Huh? Yeah, no one wants to see the team boot off the ice uh, for a third time. Um, so that has to, the ship has to get right at home in particular. I will say this too, the Still and Strom saga uh, soap opera has to end. Mac Jones, uh, Max Jones, uh, out four to six months in Anaheim with a torn pectoral, they just have surgery on. Reports are Anaheim has been very interested in Dylan for a long time. Get on the phone, get this deal done. Give him new lease on life because he and Colleton aren't working out and get it done today and try to get something to help your team here. That's, I think that's a good call on your part. I, I just think uh, the, this, the Colleton-Strom uh, relationship has been strained. Yep. That's why he hasn't been playing as far as they look to trade him. They don't want him to get injured. He played the other night for the first time this season. I thought he was solid. Uh, other than the penalty he had, I thought he yep, had a, the hooking, yeah. a strong game. Will but he only be- 13 minutes. I mean, you know, look, Jeremy Carlton has lost confidence, faith, whatever it is. And so he can he can stay ready and say all the right things. But I don't think the, this coach is going to give him opportunity unless it's absolute, absolutely necessary. And that's not going to be good for the team nor for the player. We'll be uh, at the United Center tomorrow night for the pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago. Stop on by at 530. I'll be there with Colby Cohen. And uh, we look to see the Blackhawks get into the win column against the Red Wings. Our thanks to producer Tyler Aki. Thank you to Mark Lazarus from The Athletic for joining us. Thank you, Brian. As always, have a great weekend, bud. And we'll see you next Saturday. See you on the TV. That'll do it tonight for today, rather, for uh, the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Up next, Chicago's College Tailgate with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah.